Why is it that no one has a good solution for anxiety? Am I the only one, or does it seem impossible for anyone to explain why we are always anxious? My name is Jesse Lyon, and this is the Tripping Off Podcast. Hey, and welcome back each and every one of you that tune in to listen, uh, all three of you. I just want you to know, I appreciate each one of you. <laughs> uh, I love that this is just a little place where I can share my thoughts and talk about things. And, you know, I don't really, if it's a big thing, if it's a small thing, that's okay with me. I really enjoy these moments where we get to discuss things that are important to you and are important to me and hopefully will help us shape the way that we use our brains and we think about the things that we go through every day. And speaking of going through things every day, one of the things that I want to talk about is anxiety. I get this question probably more than anything else. In fact, I feel like there's more information on the internet about anxiety and more opinions about anxiety and what to do with it uh, than there really are solutions. <laughs> uh, and I just, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel that there's such a struggle to find an actual solution for anxiety. There's all these coping strategies and grounding techniques and mechanisms for doing this and paperwork and, you know, worksheets. And I just feel like over and over, it doesn't work. Uh, and maybe you felt this frustration too. Um, hopefully it's not just me. <laughs> I mean, but then again, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not, but I would be okay if it was too. It'd still be worth talking about because we're all important. Um, but anxiety, why is it such a difficult thing to talk about? Why is it that nobody can really seem to come up with a solution? Uh, well, I know it's cliche, but I have a solution. <laughs> uh, Here's, first we have to understand what anxiety is. So, I mean, if I'm going to take you through a logical explanation and understanding of what is anxiety and how to deal with it, I got to start with the foundation. And the foundation is anxiety at its most basic level is the separation, the tension between expectation and reality expectation and reality. There's a difference that happens as human beings. And honestly, human beings are an incredible species because we're one of the very few that can, if not the only, that can know what the reality is right now and project something that we want to be as our future and then work toward that projection. We change reality in our brains in order to facilitate this moving through and this process of changing things so we can get to that better ideal. If you stop and think about that, that's incredible. And honestly, it's why CBT is so revolutionary and studied and taught in schools, uh, but it's over relied on, uh, in my honest opinion. And that's why I did turn to hypnotherapy to work on those things and to offer a better solution, at least a more well-rounded solution. Um, but that's incredible that we can come up with an idea in our head and then change things in our world to get closer to that ideal, hopefully achieving that ideal one day. The problem is the tension that exists between projecting something different in the future and what actually is right now 
comes across as tension, comes across as stress, anxiety, all those things. And so here I am, perhaps, sitting on a Sunday morning, trying to enjoy just the day and the sun rising and the breeze blowing and my cup of coffee in my hand. And maybe you're there with me right now, but maybe you've also felt like I have felt the pressure of what is to come on Monday. And we know what we want to achieve on Monday. We know the things that need to get done. We know the bosses that are going to check on us or the people that are counting on us or the paperwork that we didn't finish on Friday. And it ruins our Sunday morning. Not because there's anything wrong with Sunday morning and that coffee and that nice fresh breeze and the sun peeking over the skyline, but because there's a disconnect between our reality and our expectation. And that's really what anxiety is. So that's great and fine and dandy, right, Jesse? But what am I going to do about that? <laughs> well, what we have to do uh, is recognize anxiety, if we're defining it that way, is a very normal part of what it means to be a human being. If we didn't have anxiety, we wouldn't be people. We wouldn't be human. Anxiety is the tension that drives us to get better. If you think about it, really anxiety, when functioning appropriately, is supposed to propel us to fix our environment and to make things into a better reality than what they are currently. And that's awesome. But so often, we get things mixed up. And I know you're with me because I've felt this too, just like you have, where we expect things to happen that maybe are outside of our control or unrealistic, like expecting all the paperwork to get done or all the people to be happy or all the projects to be completed on Monday morning when we know that's not possible. And as idealistic as we are or as perfectionistic as we are, we probably took on more than we were supposed to <laughs> during those times when we maybe should have had better boundaries. And because we were being idealistic and projecting a better future where we got 100% done of the thousand things that we committed ourselves to do when we know Physically, our bodies can't take on that much stuff. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough adrenaline or caffeine or coffee in the day to get those things done. And we hit a wall. We hit a wall where expectation and reality don't slowly come together. They stay separate. And now we've got chronic anxiety. We've got anxiety that doesn't go away. And you have to understand something about the body. The body is built for anxiety. We are supposed to be stressed and then find safety. Stressed and then find safety. It's this cycle that helps us develop. It's Think about um, the way that bodybuilders train their bodies or athletes train their bodies. Anyone. You put it through stress and then you put it to bed. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to work. Uh, it builds us. It grows us. It helps us become stronger and more adaptive and more malleable. But sometimes with our cognitive distortions or with our unconscious trances, we get into situations where we expected things that are not real. We expected things that can't happen. And now we're carrying around stress and anxiety that doesn't go away. And this creates a very real problem and something we have to think about. The body, when it experiences stress, um, it builds up adrenaline, 
right? It dumps all those chemicals into your brain so you can have the energy and the adaptive thinking to face those challenges and to overcome them. But what happens when that adrenaline never falls away? What happens when that adrenaline pumps into your brain but then has nowhere to go because the solution was never found? The problem was never solved. Well, it stays there. And so then you have another stress come along. And on top of the first one, you've got this second one. So the brain, again, dumps more adrenaline, tries to build you up and give you the energy to face now both of those things. And well, what if that second thing is not really realistic? Now we've got a real problem. We're just doubling down on our first issue. So our brain starts to think, oh, well, um, Jesse didn't get rid of this adrenaline. He didn't get rid of this problem. So this must just be the normal level of adrenaline that we're supposed to have in our brains. And now we have an, anxi we have an anxiety or an adrenaline buildup problem where the adrenaline is not flushing from our system, you know, and now we're chronically stressed. Same thing if an athlete doesn't give their muscles enough time to rest and recover. They end up building up that lactic acid in their muscles and they just keep tearing them and breaking them down with no rest or reprieve. And you don't grow that way. You just hurt yourself. You get injured. And so here we are thinking that we're facing the challenges of the world, thinking we're you know, doing the most and the best that we can when really we're just ripping and shredding our minds and our emotions. And that's not really that great, if you ask me. So, okay, we understand what anxiety is. We understand how adrenaline builds up. But Jesse, you haven't told me what to do with it. Okay, I understand. What do you do with it? Uh, you might not like it. And this is why there's no real solution for anxiety uh, that's popular on the internet. This is why that you can't find uh, somebody to give you a solution for how to get rid of anxiety because the real solution is to add more anxiety. Now, I know that sounds crazy, right? But what we need to do, and if we understand that anxiety is a normal part of being a person, and in fact, an amazing part of being in a person, we stop villainizing anxiety and we start recognizing it as an important and crucial part of our life and we start trading chronic anxiety for healthy anxiety. We stop running from anxiety and we start choosing anxiety. Think about how different just that framework is for a moment. How many times do we say we need a mental health day or we need a rest day or time off? And I'm, uh, that stuff's still important, but think about just the structure of our culture. We run from anxiety chronically. Anxiety is the biggest bane of first world problems <laughs> that we experience right now. In fact, you can't look anywhere without somebody talking about anxiety or stress and how big of a deal it is. It has become this villain that we all run from. And so the ideal almost of making it in American culture is, uh, or first world culture anyway, um, I'm just talking American because that's what I am. The idea is that someday we'll end up on this island drinking a pina colada underneath a palm tree uh, with our toes in the water. I don't know if that's a great goal. I mean, one, it sounds great for an afternoon, but to live the rest of your life that way sounds crazy boring. In fact, it's been shown with people who are older 
uh, that Alzheimer's develops from a lack of new and novel stimulation. When you're able to get a somebody who's in the latter years of their life to play games, to listen to new music, to try new things, to learn frustrating and complicated things, their brain starts to come back. But it's that adherence to arbitrary and I don't know when they came along, but these roles and systems and schedules uh, that really causes the brain to become brittle and concrete and not flexible, not malleable, not all the nice stuff that we want it to be. And so the reason that anxiety is so chronic is because we have built for ourselves this ideal of what our life is supposed to be that our life was never supposed to be. It's good to be safe. It's good to be accomplished. It's good to take a break. All of these things are very true. But by running from anxiety, by not accepting and recognizing the important place that it plays in our lives, uh, we lose part of our humanity. And we get this messed up system that we live in today. And I really do get frustrated and passionate about this because I hear so many times the unconscious trance, the the hypnotizing idea that people try and dangle in front of me. And I have to violently fight against it because I'm given this idea that, oh, you know, you should, if you're struggling, uh, if you're, you know, grinding toward a goal, uh, you're working too hard or things should come easier. And it it doesn't validate my struggle. It doesn't validate your struggle. On the other end of this, listening to this conversation that we're having together. And I get frustrated because I think each of our struggles should be validated. I get frustrated because it's not fair, it's not right for somebody to try and come along and tell you that your anxiety is wrong. I understand if the anxiety is misplaced. I understand if the anxiety is causing difficulties and it should be worked on. But when we paint with broad brushstrokes and say that anxiety, anxiety bad, <laughs> we inevitably miss the nuance of the greater experience. And I am not very much into, in fact, count me out when it comes to invalidating people's experiences. It's not a game or something I want to be a part of. And so I've felt those pressures myself. I've felt that struggle from other people that I work with and that I care for in my professional and personal life. You know, even, geez, let's take it to even a clinical level, like panic attacks or anxiety attacks, when things become debilitating, where I can't move and I can't do stuff. Um, people freak out over those things because their parents or their friends or their family have told them, oh no, that's bad. You have anxiety attacks? You have panic attacks? And then they feed them this unconscious lie that somehow that's awful, terrible, and beyond help. That's beyond what uh, people are normally expected to go through. Listen, I'm fine with your anxiety attack. I'm fine with your panic attack. I'm not minimizing it and saying it's okay, but the suggestion that somehow this is otherworldly and beyond repair and you're really, really broken now because you have anxiety and panic attacks, I'm not on board with. In fact, I, I vehemently fight against it.
And so walking that whole thing back, I agree that we need to do something about this, but the solution is not eliminating anxiety. You know, there's a great metaphor that I heard. Um, I actually came across it on TikTok, believe it or not. Um, uh, if you know anything about me, I'm on that app quite a bit posting and consuming content um, because I really do believe it's kind of the future of the way that video content will be consumed. But anyways, that's for another podcast episode. But I was on TikTok, right? As probably many of you are. And I saw somebody discussing what anxiety was like. And they were a juggler. And so they said, you know, they're juggling one ball. And they said, you know, uh, juggling one ball was pretty easy. But then it became more difficult and stressful when I tried to juggle two balls. But you know what? And they said this. They said, I really didn't learn how to juggle two balls well until I started juggling three balls. And you know, it wasn't until I started juggling four balls that I really learned how to do three well. And it really wasn't until I struggled with and wrestled with juggling five that I learned to juggle four. And the whole point of it was we don't learn how to deal with stress until we feel confident enough in ourselves and take on, with love and respect for who we are as people, greater amounts of stress. And so I'm not saying you go out there and do something that's not healthy for you, but I think this idea of saying, oh, we just need to not juggle at all is not the solution. It's not the answer. I think... Not, not only do I think, but I know, I know that if we take the time to become nuanced about understanding anxiety and recognize where our perceptions are not, aligning with re- not aligning with reality, we will become anxiety proof. I'm not very much interested in eliminating anxiety in my life because that means I can't help anybody. That means I'm incapable. In fact, that is telling me and reinforcing the unconscious trance that I'm fragile. And I am not fragile. I may be sensitive. (laughs) I may be highly attuned to people's emotions, and you may be sensitive as well. In fact, if you're listening to this, I know you're sensitive. I know that you're curious about these things and want a greater understanding. And so we are sensitive, you and I, right? But that doesn't mean that we're not strong. That doesn't mean that we're not capable it does mean that we need to exercise a little bit more motivation and a little bit more understanding and search for, again, that separation between expectation and reality. So if you're juggling a lot of things in your life there are, and you're feeling chronically anxious, you're feeling chronically stressed where things are not getting better and you're feeling no relief from accomplishing a task and then having that deep breath, finally it's done, then you're probably expecting something from yourself that's not real. And you want to look into that and find out what that is. And this is where the key to what I'm saying is, the way that you do that is by introducing yourself into new environments, into new anxieties, and realizing, oh, you know how I was really stressed about my finger placement on the hacky sack when I was trying to juggle two balls. It really isn't important when I'm juggling three. And here I was stressing about the way that I was catching when I really shouldn't have been worried about that at all. It's more about throwing. 
And actually, if you ask a, a juggler, they'll tell you it's more about throwing than it is about catching. But you would never know that until you put yourself into the stress of trying to juggle three, four, five, right? And I know I, I can almost hear it on the other end of this device that you're listening to me through. Uh, I can hear the groans. I can hear the pains. And so I know this is a tough conversation for you and I to have uh, because it feels invalidating, right? It's like, oh, well, uh, you're just saying that I don't have enough stress in my life. No, no, no. I'm saying you have too much stress in your life. I'm 100% agreeing with you. But I'm saying that that stress is coming from you expecting things of yourself that one, are not real, and two, are not important. How do we find those out? We value ourselves we develop confidence, we develop respect for who we are as people. And then we find what it is that we're trying to push ourselves into that we are better than. We are better than that. We deserve more than that. More than worrying about those little things, right? And think about it. Think about this in a, a greater perspective too, more than just like my silly juggling metaphor. Think about this for a moment. When somebody experiences like a life-threatening event, right? And I'm not saying you go experience a life-threatening event, but just as an example, when somebody experiences one of those huge events or even just a big trip, like let's, let's say it's not even life-threatening. Let's say they go on a trip uh, to the Mediterranean, right? Never been outside the country and they experience a different culture. What does that always do? They always come back and say, wow, I have such a new perspective, Right? This new perspective puts things into perspective and helps us understand, wow, man, I was really worried about this paperwork that my boss wanted me to do. That was, you know, but I realized after broadening my understanding by going out of the country or experiencing this big event that, wow, that thing I was stressing over, really not that big a deal. And what you'll find when you build that confidence when you find a way to put stress and anxiety into perspective, then it becomes easier to do. You become faster at it. You become more adept, more skilled, more capable of dealing with those little things, and they're not stressful anymore. Now, I hope that all makes sense. Um, and I hope you're not taking it out of context because, geez, with the utmost empathy and care, I want you to understand, I really am advocating here and caring for you by saying, I hope that your anxiety goes down, not up. And I'm saying this because I'm saying you are stronger than this anxiety that's got you down. You are more capable than what you think you're capable of. It's just that you're stressing about things that you're trying to live up to that are beyond reality. They're not, maybe not possible or at least not worth your time. And so finding that nuance, and you know, I can't paint with a broad brush here. You need to go find somebody who cares about you to talk to and to help put that in perspective. You need to find a therapist or at least a good friend or a family member. I don't know, but somebody with wisdom and understanding to put those things into place for you because they care about you because you should care about yourself. You're the best thing that you have in the world. And you're where each of us is all we have in the world together figuring this out. So now before I wrap up here, I want to talk about just the hypnotic principle that this 
applies to as well. And so for those of you who are listening who are hypnotherapists, or at least curious in the way that hypnotherapy works, and maybe want to know a little bit about the way that marketing works and movies work, stay tuned. Uh, This is kind of the second part of this episode. Hypnosis. When I am working with somebody, or just as a sheer hypnotic principle, uh, it's actually, and you may not have recognized this, but it's actually very important to create stress in a client, in a inductee, uh, so that way they can go into the trance. may not have known that. A lot of times we think that uh, hypnotherapy is all about relaxation and concentrate on your breathing and you know, uh, loosen the muscles in your body, but it's not. Uh, That's great as part of it, but actually right before we get into the hypnotic trance, it is very important that we induce stress. And this is talked about in many of the books uh, or trainings that a hypnotherapist goes through. Uh, Why do we do that? Well, we do that because by building someone up to a peak of anxiety, we actually allow them to relax deeper. Think about the way that taking a deep breath and then letting it out relaxes you more. Why does it relax you more? Well, the reason it relaxes you more is when you take a deep breath, your lungs expand, right? And your muscles tense and everything opens up, everything contracts. And then when we let it out, we actually breathe out deeper than we would have if we just let out our breath without taking the deep breath. So we have to go up before we can go down. Same principle applies here with anxiety. And the same principle applies with hypnosis. Uh, If you think about, if you've ever been to a hypnotherapist or experienced that kind of thing, um, you'll remember, (laughs) probably with a little bit of a grin, you'll remember the way that you were very anxious before you went or the way that you were anxious while sitting in the chair right before the hypnotherapy happened. Um, And that's intentional. As hypnotherapists, we know that that's going to happen, and we want that to happen in a safe and respectful way, because by having that anticipation, we're ensuring that the participant will be able to be relaxed and go deeper and really experience the release that they're looking for. And so we may even help create that if somebody hasn't created it for themselves by asking questions that are maybe confusing or doing things that are a little out of the ordinary, maybe even dressing ways that are a little out of the ordinary, just so people feel that little bit of that tension of being out of place. You know, maybe we'll ask them to move where they have their hands placed or ask them to uncross their legs uh, so they can have their feet flat on the floor. We do that so there's some anticipation. The anticipation is really what guarantees, um, well, yeah, it does, guarantees the success in the end of experiencing a pleasant hypnotic trance. So I say all that because it's really important that we understand this is more than just anxiety. This is how human beings work. This is the way that the brain works. This is the way that the body works. It's a principle. And I really do enjoy it especially these kind of things, these principles, because by talking about principles, uh, we understand more than just techniques. You know, there's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of ideas out there about the way that we should do things, what to do, how to speak, what to say. Um, But Erickson was very firm 
on being a theoretical. And a lot of people were frustrated with him for that. <laughs> uh, and they were frustrated with him for that because they wanted uh, clear-cut explanations of exactly what to do. And he wasn't going to give it to him because that's a little bit presumptuous and he was wiser than to do that. And so I talk about anxiety and this principle of ups and downs, the roller coaster of life, because it's a theoretical. It's just a principle. It's a principle that needs to be interact with and applied in our day-to-day -day life. So when it comes to mental health days, when it comes to self-care, I'm a huge advocate. We need to have those downs along with our ups. But only if those downs are not actually running aways. Because oftentimes we will run away from our stress rather than recognizing we've put on ourselves expectations that are beyond what we should do. We have assumed that we should do things that are not accurate. And we're living in this fantasy world, not even a fun fantasy world, an anxiety fantasy world where we're expecting and obligating ourselves to do things that we should have never expected or obligated ourselves to do. So anxiety, how do you deal with it? Let go of the stuff that doesn't matter and take more on your plate. Take more on your plate that matters. Things that are meaningful to you that you want to see in your life. Pursue those. I, I hesitate to use the word manifest, but on, honestly, put your mind on things that you want and are worth the pain and effort to go through and start pursuing those with your passion and feel that you're taking control of your life again and pursuing things that are meaningful to you rather than getting bogged down with things that don't add to your life. And sometimes we go through things that really we wish we didn't have to. And I feel that. And sometimes we get things thrown on our plate that we really didn't want. But if we can identify what it is that we do want and make meaning out of that anxiety, make meaning out of that pain, man, we're going to be in a great place. Let me give you one last example here. Let's say that we have a family member who's going through uh, maybe some kind of health crisis, right? And then a lot of that responsibility is thrown onto our shoulders of helping pick up the burden. Um, and not that they're a burden, but helping pick up the slack, the care that they're going to need for what they're going through. I know you didn't want that. I know that wasn't something that you asked to be put on your plate, but I know that you'd rather take that on your plate at least I would rather take that on my plate than to not be there for that person. And by putting those things in perspective and recognizing, hey, this ain't going to be great. It's not going to be staying at the Hyatt for them. <laughs> I'm going to take care of their basic needs because I've also got my own responsibilities that never stopped. <laughs> it just more got added on top. So by recognizing we have our limitations and by pressing into those with love and self-acceptance and care, we're going to get to a place where we're more anxiety-proof than just trying to run away. And by feeding ourselves that lie that we're incapable, because you're not, you can do this. So culture plays a huge impact. Our minds play a huge impact. Don't let that anxiety eat you up uh, by feeling that we have to run from it, that anxiety is a problem. You've got this, and you can do it. Thanks for tuning in. Those are my thoughts. Uh, I'm curious. I really would love to hear more about what you think on the other side of this. Um, to have a conversation, do you agree? Do you disagree? 
what are your feelings? Uh, send me an email or find me on Instagram or Facebook, wherever. Um, I'm at Lion Mental Health, L-Y-O-N, Mental Health on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that stuff. Or send me an email, jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at lioncounseling.care. And let's make this a conversation. Maybe we can even have more of this on uh, part two. But until then, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. Those two that stayed to the very end, thanks. You're the real MVPs. <laughs> but until next week, I'll talk to you then. Take care, y'all.